a few weeks ago, because that's how long it's been since we have been in our Living in Remembrance series that we're doing right now. A few weeks ago, we talked about the sacrament of the gathering. Let me back up, especially for those of you that may not have been around, just very briefly. The series that we're doing this year is geared both towards inquirers, catechumens, but also all of the faithful. And the reason I've entitled it Living in Remembrance, and if you remember that was our first week, was setting the framework for what in remembrance means. You know, when we're in the Eucharist, and when Christ was was actually blessing the bread and, and the wine at the Lord's Supper that we find in the Gospels, he says, Do this in remembrance of me. And that remembrance, if we were if we remember what we talked about just a few weeks ago, that remembrance was that Christ makes Himself fully present in the now so that we experience what the disciples experienced 2,000 plus years ago. That's remembrance. It's re-experience over and over again of the living and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ for our life and for our salvation. And so the whole idea that we're doing in this series is... If the Eucharist is predicated on remembrance, then when we go from here, all of our life ought to be a remembrance. We are vessels filled with the Holy Spirit, where Christ may manifest Himself and His kingdom at any time. We pray all the time in our homes, in our workplaces, in our relationships, in the body of Christ, at St. Peter. So how is it that we live in remembrance? And I told you that everything starts with the ultimate experience of the Christian, which is when heaven and earth join together with their Savior. It all starts in the liturgy. And from the liturgy, we go from here with what we've received to live a life in remembrance. And so we are starting with the liturgy for about the first month of this course. And we'll continue in it today. Last time we gathered, we talked about the sacrament of the gathering itself. And I'll remind you of a few things from Father Alexander Schmemann, who if you need to remember the names of the books that I suggested to you, Father Alexander Schmemann, The Eucharist, and Father Alexander Schmemann, For the Life of the World. In fact, any book that Father Alexander Schmemann, go read it. But those two books in particular are some of the most wonderful expressions of the truths that we have about how Christ manifests Himself all throughout the liturgy for the salvation of our souls. And so I suggest those two books, The Eucharist and For the Life of the World to You. And I read a couple of quotes because I really believe that Father Alexander has such a wonderful gift of summing up the 2,000 years of the fathers when it comes to the sacraments and putting it in such terms that we can understand. And so when we talked about the gathering last time, we talked about a a quote from the Eucharist uh, that Father Alexander Schmemann taught. He said, The assembly, that is the coming together of the body of Christ, is the first liturgical act of the Eucharist its foundation, and its beginning. If you remember, we talked about last time that in the early church, in its earliest stages, the procession that you see at the beginning of Mass was actually a procession of everyone. Everyone would meet outside of the church, in in the earliest church, even in those house churches, so to speak. 
the first liturgical movement was the gathering outside of that house. And they would all gather together and the bishop, and as the church would grow, then the priest would lead the procession of the holy priesthood into the place of worship to manifest the kingdom of God there. So the first step was simply the gathering together. And Father Alexander Schmemann also said this. He said, St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, when you assemble together as a church, the ecclesia, in the minds of the earliest Christians, they assembled for the purpose to reveal and realize the kingdom of God. Remember what we talked about last time about revealing and realizing the kingdom of God. Seriously, somebody tried to convince me that there is another blessed time and another blessed space on the face of the earth where God is more manifest and His kingdom than when all of His people in heaven and earth have joined together in one place to receive from Him. When else in life do we see this? Where we gather together in such unity as that holy priesthood to offer up ourselves. And God there is waiting for us so that we join together and we join with Him and there the kingdom of God is manifest in that timeless sacred space. But also, he says, the church had in mind not only to manifest or reveal the kingdom of God, but that it be realized What does that mean? We come to manifest it at the same time because we're always living in the now and not yet. We come to become it. We come to have our lives transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit when we're together to become, to realize more and more every time we come the blessed kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, as both have joined together. And I reminded you in that week that as St. Peter says in his epistle in 1 Peter chapter 2, our patron saint teaches this, Come to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you to understand the progression of what St. Peter has said. The first thing he says is he said, come to him as a living stone. So we start with the individual. Living stone, living stone, living stone. Each one of you, you come to what? Gather. You come to Him as a living stone. But then we get beyond the limitations of the individual and into the blessed fellowship of all the holy. We get beyond those limitations of of just who we are. We join ourselves to one another. That's why St. Peter says, you also as living stones are being built, we move from corporate from than just the individual, are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He is stating, St. Peter is stating, that both our identity and our vocation, our vocational ministry in this lifetime, granted to us by virtue of our baptism and being filled with the Holy Spirit, that our vocation is the royal priesthood. Just because I wear vestments, don't you understand that I'm simply the one that leads us all to do the same thing, that we all be united into that royal priesthood to offer up sacrifices 
which glorify God. And what sacrifices do we offer? Well, we know we offer bread and wine. In fact, talking about the early church, it might interest you to know that in the early church, every living stone brought bread and or wine and presented it to to those of the church. The deacons would take the bread and wine offered by all and bless it and get it ready for the liturgy. As the church would continue, there were the impracticalities that hit. And so now you see the bread and wine transferred from the credence table up to the altar. In your mind, that ought to go back to here we offer this. This is not an offering done by a few who have prepared bread, although God bless all of you who prepare the bread. But when you see that bread and wine transferred from the credence table to the altar, in your minds you should be thinking of the reality, this we offer to you, Lord. That He blessed and it become the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ for our forgiveness of sins, our washing clean and being filled with the divine grace, power of God unto salvation. So we offer bread and wine. But what else do we offer? What do we say every Mass? We offer what? Ourselves. Ourselves. And that's something we're going to really focus on today, is the offering and preparing to offer ourselves. And I left you with a thought that to me is still one of the most profound when it comes to our gathering and coming together to be with Christ and to worship in one of the most profound statements by St. John Chrysostom. When he made this statement, he said, The church is a common house to us all. And you, O Lord, are awaiting us when we enter. If that's not... I mean, I have thought about that all week. Even preparing for Mass today, my own preparation. His words, the church is a house common to us all. And you, O Lord, are awaiting us when we enter. That truth, the fact that Christ is so present among us, awaiting us as we arrive. My friends, that has to change the way that we prepare ourselves to come to this place. And without answering out loud, I want to ask you a question to consider. I want to ask you, what do you currently do to prepare to come and make your priestly offering with the rest of the royal priesthood to our Lord Jesus Christ who is awaiting us as we come in. What are you doing? Think about that. You may be doing some things. You may be doing nothing. And I'm not making you think of this to shame you in any way. But today is set to exhort us to truly become and practice our vocation which is the royal priesthood of God. That we truly begin to consider these things and know how we ought to prepare ourselves for our priestly ministry. I'm lucky. I'm forced to prepare myself through prayers. And all those that serve at the altar. And I would like for you to begin as the royal priesthood to begin to think the same way. And I want us to look at that today. That really is going to be our focus. Because so many of us, I remember before I was a priest. And listen, even as a priest, I can be guilty of this if I'm not careful. Of the rush of the morning. 
the rush of the morning before we come to church. Who knows what calamities are going on in our household trying to get dressed or trying to get our children dressed or our children trying to get us dressed or whatever it happens to be. Who knows what upside down things are happening in our household. And a lot of times when we're in the rush and the throes of all of that, we lose track of who we are and what we are called and graced and about to do when we gather uh, together. And so that's what I want us to focus on today and why. So preparing for liturgy, preparing to make our priestly offerings, all of us. In Corinth, Paul had spent about three years in Corinth building that church. Think about that. Three, that's a long time. Three years he spent on a daily basis baptizing, seeing people filled with the Holy Spirit, teaching them to walk in His ways, setting forth the order of the church. Three years He lived and dwelled with them. 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, we know, those weren't written during His stay there. They were written afterwards. You see? Because they were starting, some of the things of the order of the church that He established were starting to fall apart. And so St. Paul, in love for those souls in Corinth that he spent three years pouring into, he sees these things. And he wants to exhort them back into the order of the church. In fact, in 1 Corinthians in chapter 11, we see some of this. And I'll read to you starting in verse 27. St. Paul writes, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment unto himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many of you are weak, and many of you are sick, and many have fallen asleep. How present with Christ is Christ among us? That people were coming in an unworthy manner. And he says, for if we would judge ourselves... That is, if we would discern ourselves, not waylay ourselves, but look at ourselves through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to see us in our weaknesses that we are about to bring to Him. And by the way, it is for those very weaknesses that He makes Himself present to heal. But first, we must come into agreement with Him, you see. And so we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the things that, if we're going to offer ourselves, we're offering our whole self. We're offering our frailties. We're offering our weaknesses. We're offering our sinfulness as much as we're offering the victories that He has done in and for us and through us. The whole self is offered. And so Paul says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. We would not be judged. But when we're judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the rest of this world. It is the Lord's heart to set us free from these things. To unshackle us from all of these things. And so one of the main focuses of our preparation truly must be self-examination. Self-examination by the help of the Holy Spirit who is the only one that can enlighten the very depth of our soul in the ways that we are not like our Lord. So that we can then bring them to Him. And so we get to the Mass. Because we begin Mass, by the way. Hopefully, again, we are to prepare before with self-examination. 
But the Mass starts us off with self-examination. Make no mistake, my friends. So let's have a look at the procession of the Mass in God's wisdom, knowing His people, so that He could bring us, not only by the preparation we did beforehand, but all through the Mass, bring us to a point where we can be made whole again. Let's look at the Mass. After the introit, which the choir sings, and remember the introit basically is the summation, the introduction and summation of what, what are we doing here in this particular Mass. Okay? So after the choir sings that, what is the first prayer that is prayed? It's the one called, that we call the collect for purity. Okay? You hear these words. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love thee and worthily magnify thy holy name through Christ our Lord. One thing, and I'm speaking to the royal priesthood, and you need to grasp this. We have got to get out of our minds a deceit that I think can settle in. That when the priest prays, it's the priest praying. And that's that. The reality is, with every prayer that the priest prays out loud, the priest isn't praying. He might be vocalizing it. This is the prayer of every soul that's in the place. Listen to the words. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts. It doesn't say cleanse the thoughts of my heart as if I'm praying. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. We pray this together. You are to pray these words in your heart as you're hearing them. And it is that offering of prayer to God that you're making. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love thee. You're praying for me. You're praying for one another as well as yourself. And I'm praying for all of you. That we may perfectly love you. That we can be that priesthood that lifts all things up to you. Ourselves, this world, we lift it to you, Lord. Every prayer that is done out loud is our collective prayer. And in fact, you know this because everybody says one particular word at the end of the prayers. And we voice it together. What's that blessed word? Amen. So be it. We lift it. So be it. And we pray that prayer. Okay, so let's sum up that prayer. Let's look at this prayer. I'm going to read this again. I want you to try to discern what's in it. It's important we know what we pray, my friends. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love Thee, and worthily magnify Thy holy name through Christ our Lord. What is in that prayer? What are we praying? What are we saying about God? What are we saying about the the whole situation we've now entered into? What are we saying? We're there and our hearts are open. Our hearts are open. And you're looking and we give and we're sharing. You're looking. You are looking. You see. You're looking. Okay. Okay. No secrets are hid. How present is God with us? Right there. How present is God with us when we gather together? We're saying it together. 
before you no secrets are hid. Therefore we plead with him. Cleanse us. There is nothing hid from you, Lord. You know what I call this prayer? It's the prayer of stop kidding yourselves. You got me. Right? It's the, it's the prayer of you got me. It really is. Because we come in, especially if we haven't prepared, sometimes even if we have. And we come in and we treat God, even though we're in this blessed and holy and sacred space where time matters not. And we are in the presence of God with one another. And we are in the presence of the angelic, the cherubim and the seraphim and all of the angels and all of the faithful souls that have gone before us. We are in that situation. And this is, to me, is the wake-up call. Know where you are. God is present among us. He was waiting for us when we entered. He is here now. He sees all things. He knows all things. Therefore, knock off the pretending. Let's get real. That we might find healing of soul. Yes? And then we immediately ask for that healing. You see all. Cleanse what is not acceptable to you. Cleanse me. Absolutely. In other words, deliver us. Show your mercy and deliver us. Now, fascinating enough. Now let's keep the progression going. So now that we've had that splash of cold water, okay, in our face, perhaps we're awakened. What is the very next thing that happens in Mass? Think about it. The summary of the law. And who gave the summary of the law in Holy Scripture? Jesus. Is He not the summary of the law? The one who is the summary of the law, who fulfilled the law, gives the summary of the law. And it's not a deacon, even though it's his voice. It's not a deacon who speaks the summary of the law. Jesus gave us the summary of the law. Jesus is present with us. And Jesus is giving us the summary of the law. And the summary of the law is this. You hear this. Hear what... Notice what it said. It doesn't say, hear what our Lord Jesus Christ said. It's hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says, saith. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Christ is present. The deacon giving voice to the presence and the word. So we have said, all hearts are open. We have said, there's nothing hid from you. So we're not going to pretend. Jesus steps into the scene of the liturgy and He drops the plumb line. He drops the plumb line of our faith. Because even back in the Garden of Eden, we were given the opportunity to grow to become the summary of the law. To be like our God. To love God with all of ourself. And to love our neighbor as ourself. Jesus Christ drops the plumb line right before us. Now by raise of hands, how many of you this week when Jesus dropped the plumb line felt like you fulfilled the law? When I say fulfilled the law, I mean lived as He. Loved Him with all that you are. And loved your neighbor in the same manner with the same love to perfection. 
as God so loves. And again, please remember this. There can never be the repentance that heals the soul unless we have the revelation first. We cannot have the glory of God and His nature. We cannot come to repentance unless we see Him. When we see Him, God revealed in and through Jesus Christ, then we see, like Isaiah in Isaiah 6, who saw that perfection in heaven, then we see our imperfections in light of the perfection. But it is not to snuff us out. It is not to bring punishment. For we have gathered together with the Lord God, our mediator and advocate, Jesus Christ, who stands between the Father and all of us with His own blood to plead on our behalf and see us made whole. But we can't get there unless first we see Him. Then, then something can be done. Now, do you not find it fascinating that we have, in the process so far, we have claimed before God that you see everything in our souls. Therefore, cleanse us. Christ reveals Himself in the summary of the law. What is the very next thing? You know what happens after that. What do we cry out? Three times. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. You you do know that we are praying the very prayer that He longs to hear and loves to answer. If we're doing it with a heart that is filled with blessed repentance out of love for Him. Are you starting to see the progression of Christ being present? And how He's bringing His people along up the ascension of the mountain to go to the top to commune with Him with what we call a Eucharist. All of this is intentional. We were given the way to worship God by the influence and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to think about this. So, so far we've abandoned ourselves saying, we're open, Lord, you see everything. Here's the plumb line. I'm not that. Lord, have mercy. Don't you recognize that this ought to be lived in our daily momentary lives? Every day of the week. What you're having put right before you is the experience of the Christian where God dwells within them. Every day. Every day. It's all in the liturgy. Because it's the pinnacle event that we're to take with us when we leave. And more about that later. But we have that summary of the law so that God might reveal Himself and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I see, I see where I'm not yet like Him. He's granted me participation in His divine nature, but I'm not yet like Him, the now and not yet. Therefore, I cry out with all of my heart, knowing, because I prepared beforehand, and now I'm prepared even further, and God is beginning to reveal Himself to me. Now I cry out the words of the publican. Not the Pharisee that thinks I'm doing okay. I have the posture of the publican who said, Lord, who said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And see, that's another thing. I want to challenge the way many of us may tend to view or define sin. To cry out, Lord Jesus Christ, like the Jesus prayer says, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Or like the publican said, God have mercy upon me, a sinner. 
What does the word sin mean? We tend we tend to think of it in terms of legalism and fracturing of a law. The reality is that yes, in our actions we do break the law. So let's not play around with it. That's true. But you guys have had sin defined like this, I would imagine, for a long time. The real definition of sin is missing the mark. Missing the mark. What is the mark that's missed? What do you think it is? The likeness of God. The likeness of God. Which the law teaches us. That's why He gave it. But the mark is to become like God. Were we not created in His image to grow in His likeness? Therefore, if we are short of His likeness, we have missed the mark in some way. And so when I see the plumb line dropped in front of me, and when you see the plumb line, Jesus Christ say the summary of the law, love the Lord God with all your heart and love your neighbor in the same manner. When I'm crying out for mercy as a public and saying, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon me as sinner, I'm saying, I'm not there yet. And sometimes it's by my own choice. And sometimes it's because I haven't learned some things yet. But this is the way that God views sin, you see. And what He does is He comes and He makes Himself present to bridge the gap and to grace us to no longer miss the mark more and more over time, every time we gather together with Him. And so the journey is not looking at God thinking, when I say, Lord, have mercy on me, Lord, have mercy on me, Christ, have mercy on me, beating myself on the back as, I'm, as if I'm the most worthless thing. Oh, I'm, I'm worth a lot to Him. As are you. Not because of my actions, but by virtue that He created me and loves me. And so He brings me to Himself, and I see that I'm not like Him, and so we cry out for mercy. But one of the questions that I have for you is that if this is the reality in mass that we're talking about, if we have not prepared before mass with the self-examination that St. Paul talks about, we have a problem. When we cry out, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, which is what he wants to step into, perhaps we're not sure of what we're asking for mercy for. Don't you think it's important with Christ present that when we sing the Kyrie, I already know because the Holy Spirit has revealed to me how I've fallen short and missed the mark. So that when I'm lifting up the Kyrie eleison, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, in my own heart of hearts I know what I'm asking for. And I'm asking for mercy over something that He's revealed to me. And so this is the importance of preparation before we come to Mass. And so, if you would, take out the card that I gave you and turn to the page at the top and see Prayer of Preparation by St. John Chrysostom. You'll recognize this prayer really quickly. You may not have known that it was the prayer. It was a prayer of St. John Chrysostom. But that is the prayer that's in our Mass just before the faithful receive Eucharist. Your final preparation before receiving. I want us to have a look at this prayer. Now, what I want to encourage you to do 
is to pray this prayer before you come here. At least start with this prayer, and, I'll, and you'll see why. Yes. What about the thing you gave us a few years ago to pray? <coughs> there is. Well, let me get to that in just a minute. Okay. okay? Hold, hold that thought. You just have lots of prayers you have to do. Just yeah. Have to <laughs> I want to take this prayer. No yeah. And particularly for the and particularly for those who have not started a discipline of preparation before taking their places as a royal in the royal priesthood. I want you to start somewhere. I am going to talk about those things in just a second. The prayer says this. Let's take a look at it and, and understand the progression of the prayer. I believe, O Lord, and I confess that Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, who didst come into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. So the first thing that this prayer does is we place our belief, not only that Christ is present, but who He is. He is God, the Son of God, who has come into the world to save me, is what you're praying, of whom I am chief. And I believe that this is truly thine own immaculate body, and that, excuse me, and that this is truly thine own precious blood. Wherefore I pray thee, have mercy upon me. So again, we're acknowledging that God is with us. We're now further acknowledging that He is with us in the body and the blood. That He has graced to become Himself for us. That we might truly become one with Him. And receive grace. And therefore acknowledging this once again. Wherefore I pray Thee, have mercy upon me. And forgive my transgressions. Both voluntary and involuntary. Of word and of deed of knowledge and of ignorance. All of these things. We can summarize that as sins that we commit and sins of omission. Things we have not done. We have not loved our neighbor in a certain way, so to speak. You see. And make me worthy to partake without condemnation. I'm preparing myself, Lord, because I'm heeding the words of St. Paul. I'm examining myself. Make me worthy to partake without condemnation of thine immaculate mysteries. Unto remission of my sins and into life everlasting. Amen. Of thy mystic supper, O Son of God, accept me today as a communicant. For I will not speak of thy mystery to thine enemies, neither will I give thee a kiss to Judas. Now look at the posture we take on about ourselves. Because that's what you're doing when you say this. But like the thief will I confess thee. Remember me, O Lord, in thy kingdom, not unto, not unto judgment, not unto condemnation. Be my partaking of thy holy mysteries, O Lord, but may it be to the healing of my soul and body. What an incredibly beautiful prayer. You can use that prayer in your homes before you come to church. And if you're not doing anything right now, I ask you to start with something just as short as that, but give the Lord time. As you pray this prayer, if you're asking Him for mercy and for forgiveness, knowing that you're coming to be with Him, Lord, what is it that I need to offer to you of myself? What do I need to bring to you in humility and honesty because you've shown it to me and I'm going to agree with you that I'm not like you in these ways? This will help you prepare. And what I was going to say, and I'm glad you said this, in so many of our books, our prayer books, 
whether it's the, the red St. Uh, Aidan prayer book or the small St. Ambrose prayer book or if you have the big book red common prayer, each one of those has prayers to prepare for Eucharist. And they're longer than this one prayer. And I encourage you to do them. Yeah. No, you gave us a printout. No, no, it was, the printout was from one of those prayers There's in there. three prayers. Mm -hmm. That's for missions. Oh, it's more than that, yeah. Yeah, for mission, that's for missions I think you're thinking about. No, there's another one. You gave it to us. If I, gave, if I did give you one, like, of, of prayers of preparation for, for Mass, then it would be from one of those prayer books. Yeah. So, it's, so in those, prayer, those prayers you'll find in those prayer books. What, what I'm saying is if you're doing those prayers that I've given you out of those prayer books, you, thank God. That's what, that's what I'm asking. That's what I'm saying. That's in, I'm encouraging everyone towards. But there's, there, there are a number of different, both in the Eastern Rite and the Western Rite, there's so many ways that the Lord has given for us to prepare, and any of them are absolutely acceptable. The key is this. As the royal priesthood, you prepare. I hope what we're going to do, by the way, next time we gather together, we've talked about how to prepare to come today and why and how the liturgy starts by setting Christ before us and are asking for His mercy. It is indeed mercy and grace that we receive in Holy Eucharist from Him and in the forgiveness of sins and the absolution that we receive. Then how do we depart from here to live a life of preparation throughout the week? And that's what we're going to cover next week. Okay? Any questions about today? Any thoughts about today? Before we close. Okay. I pray. Yes, Jeff. The one thing that's really hard for me is when you say love thy neighbors as I would love thyself. And I consider all people are neighbors. That's right. And I have adversaries out there. And one thing Father Peter taught me in you is ask for their repentance. But yeah. I still, that they repent for their sins yeah. in my prayers, and I do. Yeah. But I still, that is probably the hardest thing for me. Not that I don't love my good neighbors, my yeah. friends. I love yeah. them very much. They're the easy ones, right? But uh, you told me this, and so is Father Peter is that, you know, to love thy enemies is really hard. You know, I, that's the step I have to get past. No question. And in fact, here's, here's where some encouragement for you and any others, because many of us struggle at times, especially when people with their humanity, it's really getting under our skin. You know, it happens. Um, I think maybe there's a difference. Like one is like the love that you hold dear and that you have an emotional attachment to. Mm -hmm. And I think more what that's referring to is a demonstration of love. Mm -hmm. You're you giving them your love. You're treating them lovingly. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you have the same type of emotional attachment yeah. that you would uh, a dear person to you. Because some yeah. people are strangers, but yeah. you show them the same type of love you would a dear person. Right. But there's, there's an emotional attachment that's different with a stranger. And, 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 there's, and there's definitely an emotional attachment that's different if I'm thinking of someone who's really wronged me. Which is what he's talking. That's what Jeff's talking about in, in some adversarial situation where someone has hurt us. And it's also difficult to, to show them that kind of extremely. And and I and I will tell you this. Here's the comfort you can take, and all of us can take. Not if when we have to struggle through that in this life. That's part of our heart cry. You're acknowledging that Jeff is what you bring to him that very day. 
as, the, as a part of the royal priesthood, when you offer yourself, you're offering your inability to forgive at that point. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You're offering yourself for who you really are, which, remember, we already said he already knows anyway, so let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. Therefore, I lift myself up to you, Lord, and I cry out for mercy, and I need your grace. I cannot forgive this person without your grace. You see? Sure. That's part of the honest offering that we all have to make. Right? Good. Thank you. All right. Any other thoughts? Okay. So next week, we'll move forward as how we leave Mass to go into the world, take it with us, and prepare ourselves throughout the week. Let's stand.